I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien? Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Here we are for Book 2, Chapter 8. Farewell to Lorien. Hmm. Yay. Sad. I mean, yeah, not yay that we're recording and <laughs> sad <laughs> that we're leaving Also, Lorien. yay, they're finally leaving. But yeah. anyway. We have so little of this book left. I know. And the books only get shorter from here on out. So, well, oh, technically. Is that true? My books don't look any shorter. Um, Physically speaking, Return of the King is longer, but that's because of the appendices. The book is shorter. Oh. Huh. How about a number of chapters, though? Oh, that's a good point. That I don't know. By density. Well, we can figure that out later. Yep. Let's get going here. I'm doing characters. So we have the Fellowship, the people that you have seen in every chapter in this book two situation, book two of book one. You know what, what I've are... noticed, though? They never call it the Fellowship. They do call it the company, don't they? They do, the entire time. And I... It's only Elrond. Yeah, it's only Elrond who gives them a really cool name. And no one, you know, respects that or takes advantage <laughs> of the cool name. They just call themselves The Company, which makes it sound like you've got a bunch of CIA agents rollicking around Middle Earth. Anyways, they're still missing their wizard. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Galadriel and Celeborn, and Haldir comes back, and then we've got some miscellaneous background elves, everybody's favorite. And then we get some brief mentions of Celebrian, which is Galadriel and Celeborn's daughter, and Arwen, their granddaughter. Who is not mentioned by name. Yes, she is. She is? She is. Because I almost didn't put that in in the summary, but then she was. So I did. So she is. Huh. <laughs> a whole, like, once, but yeah. Yeah. I totally it's, missed that. But it's 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 not by Galadriel. Like, Aragorn says her name, not Galadriel. Oh, maybe that's where I was looking for it when she's talking about handing it down to her daughter and her daughter's daughter. And I was like, come on, just use her name. Why are names so hard? You have, like, 80 of them for every person. I think the women just aren't special enough. Ouch. It's true. But you're busy weaving cloaks. We'll get there when we get there. Anyway. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna leave. Um short <laughs> summary. <laughs> so in this chapter, the company has to say goodbye many, many times before they are actually allowed to leave. Yeah. They leave eventually. They just eventually say for a long time. And a lot of times you think they've said goodbye for good, and then it turns out they have to do it again. Oh my god, it's like all of the fake endings to Return of the King in the movie. It is! That's what this felt like. So, our long summary. To begin, uh, Celeborn summons the company to his chambers and asks who among them wishes to continue on. He wants to make sure to point out that even staying in Lorien for a time is no guarantee that there will be peace, because, you know, the night is dark and full of terror. Or whatever. (laughs) 
Galadriel, however, who has been staring into their eyes and reading their minds and generally invading everyone's privacy, announces that everyone will be continuing on their path. And then Boromir ruins the general sense of camaraderie by going, yeah, my home is forward and not backwards, so I don't really have a choice. When Celeborn asks if they all intend to stop at Minas Tirith, Aragorn announces to the group that he really has no idea where they should actually be going, and probably Gandalf didn't either. Um, They're just going to have to play all of that by ear. So good at planning. So good at planning. He's not really coping with being the leader as well as I thought he would. I really think this chapter should have been called Indecision. (laughs) Yes. We get our indecisive Aragorn. That's very, very true. Um, Celeborn gives us a small geography lesson uh, so that Tolkien can slip in, you know, some of his literary maps that he loves so much. He pretends to ask this question. Uh, The Great River, which is also known as the Anduin, flows more or less in the direction that they're heading out of Lorien. Um, Gondor and Minas Tirith lie to the west of the river, but there is a pretty much straight shot for the quest um, if they were to leave the river and proceed east. Osgiliath, which is uh, the city that has bridges from east to west for Gondor, has already fallen and the bridges have been destroyed by the time they're having this discussion. So Celeborn um, is going to give the company boats to set sail in because there's this super convenient river, but he also warns them that the boats may make your journey less toilsome for a while, yet they will not give you counsel. In the end, you must leave them and the river and turn west or east. Now we get to this really funny part, well, funny to me anyway, where Aragorn is super thankful for the boats because the boats mean that he doesn't have to actually make any directional decisions for the group, which is one, like super relatable. I don't enjoy making hard decisions either for other people, especially, but two, it's exactly what Celeborn just told him not to do. Like you're not supposed to leave the decisions up to the boats, Aragorn. I don't, I don't. I think he's... I think he's just happy that he gets to put it off for a few days. I mean, I get that, but I just thought the juxtaposition of Celeborn being like, don't let the boats give you counsel, right? They're just boats. And Aragorn being like, oh, thank God we have boats. I can go where they lead me. <laughs> I was like, are you are you kidding? <laughs> he, just, like picture, he just said. Yeah, I like the picture of him just like setting the boat in the middle and seeing what shore it ends up on and being like, all right, cool. Man, I love these boats. I really do. Um We will get to that in a minute. Galadriel and Celeborn wish the company a good night, and Galadriel sends them off with this gem. Uh, Do not trouble your hearts overmuch with thought of the road tonight. Maybe the paths that you each shall tread are already laid before your feet, though you do not see them. Which sounds both ominous and very reassuring to me at the same time. And also, like, they immediately... Just throw that back in our face and start plotting. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, like, oh, they spend yeah. all night debating what they're going to do. They totally, they're like, yes, this is great advice. And then they go back to their rooms and totally ignore it. They spend a very late night debating what their next steps should be. Most of them want to go to Minas Tirith. And we don't get to see this conversation. It's just relayed to us that most of the group prefers the idea of going to Minas Tirith. And Tolkien has- I mean, who wouldn't? I, if it was Mordor or Minas Tirith. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's totally fair. Tolkien has an interesting note here um, that the company would all be willing to follow someone on the journey east into Mordor. Um, but in this conversation, no one steps up to lead them. Aragorn is being indecisive because he had believed that the dreams he was having were a sign he needed to return to Gondor and, you know, take his place. But now Gandalf is gone and he can't forsake Frodo. And so... 
he's sort of torn between what he should be doing. And then Frodo is just sitting there very, very quietly. Did you get the idea that Frodo are, is sort of getting an inkling of what has to happen? That he has to leave everyone? No, but that would fit really neatly with the tone of this exchange. That's especially sort of what given, I was thinking. Especially given this, it becomes the very first spot where we have a troubling interaction with Boromir. Mm-hmm. Which isn't to say that he hasn't acted weird before now. It's just that this, this is, is the, the first time that he's kind of said something out loud. Yeah, that without he's meaning to put voice even. to yeah. his sketchy sideways glances. So, and I have that quote here to read. Actually, Boromir says, "If you." Wish only to destroy the ring, then there is little use in war and weapons, and the men of Minas Tirith cannot help. But if you wish to destroy the armed might of the Dark Lord, then it is folly to go without force into his domain, and folly to throw away... He paused suddenly, as if he had become aware that he was speaking his thoughts aloud. It would be folly to throw lives away, I mean, he ended. Um, And we see, like, Frodo gives him a really long glance... And like, this is the first time where he's sort of like, did he mean to finish his sentence differently? Because it's obvious that Boromir didn't realize what he was saying. Yeah. And it shows some astuteness from Frodo here, even though everybody else just kind of lets that slide. Mm -hmm. They do. And it's really sad because this is maybe the first place where we see the trust that has been built thus far begin to fracture. It makes me sad anyway. And that's where I feel more like Frodo wasn't yet until now thinking about splitting off so much as I I got the impression that he was like, I don't want to make everyone follow me into this. Yeah, I guess that way. That's so true. I I do think he wasn't thinking like, oh, I have to leave them because because of the ring. I think he was thinking I'm the one who said I would go to Mordor. Everybody else wants to go to Minas Tirith. Mm hmm. You know, like, I, I can go by myself. Right. And, like, why why should I bring all these people yeah. into this misery with me? I mean, in a way, what Formir says is right. Like, it, an army will do nothing. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. bringing more people to die. And but yeah, it should just be me. And I guess I don't give the, the literary geography of this chapter much credit, because it is really the first time that we come to seriously understand that Minas Tirith is not on the way to Mordor the way they sort of made it sound, right? Like Boromir mm-hmm. and Aragorn were going to split off from the company after making most of the journey there. Like, no, they're on two opposite sides of this huge river, hundreds of miles apart. And the river cannot be crossed no. after a certain a certain spot without they, boats. Without boats. They say, actually, when they get in the boats, this is the this is it. They're like, you could not cross this river with baggage. And I was like, yeah, everyone in this, in this company has some serious baggage that they're taking with them. <laughs> Um, and then they're like, unless you're in a boat. And I was like, oh, that makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah. So I guess pressure's on, Aragorn. Got to make a decision. Yeah. The following morning, you know, after this late night of discussing, everybody packs the few belongings that they have and elves show up with more presents like Lembus bread, which is also known as whey bread, which I thought was really cool. And I didn't and know cram. that before. And also known as cram, which is less cool, but it's I guess still relevant. Flats. I love that Cram came back. Um, a single piece. And that the elves were like, yeah, it's kind of like Cram, but we made it good. But we made it better, <laughs> more enjoyable in every way. A single piece of Lembus can keep a man marching all day, right? It's going to fill you up. And we're told 
that the Lembus will stay fresh for many, many, many days if they keep it wrapped in these leaves that the elves handed it to them in, which I guess are like the equivalent of Middle Earth Tupperware, except <laughs> more aesthetically pleasing. I was uh, thinking more like when you get sticky rice wrapped in leaves. I forget what plant those leaves are. Seaweed? <laughs> what are you sticky talking rice? about? I don't know. I've never gotten anything that you're saying. Have you never gone for dim sum? ordered the sticky okay we live in a miserable place in the middle of the cornfields um these background elves also give the company cloaks elvish robes which have a beautiful description of leaf and branch water and stone they have the hue and beauty of all these things under the twilight of lorian that we love for we put the thought of all that we love into all that we make and we learn that these cloaks were woven by Gladriel and her ladies personally, and that Lorian has never before clad strangers in the garb of their own people. And I think they did mention the brooches, and I just I didn't... totally left it out of my recap. Yeah, they, nope, they totally uh, did. They did, They right? did? They, okay, yeah, I, I missed it too then. Green, green gems that are veined with silver or something in the shape of oh, leaves. Okay. I completely missed that too. Did I make that up? No, you okay. didn't. But it's somewhere in there. Because there is, I mean, somebody else does Lorian. get a That's green important. brooch. Yes, these are just we less special there. ones. Yes, less special for the whole company so that they can match. Um, so the company says farewell to the fountain and the lawn, which I think is supposed to mean like just generally the place itself. Like they're saying goodbye to this section of Lorien, but I have this really vivid picture of them saying goodbye to a field of grass. <laughs> like... <laughs> I just, I don't know why they felt the need to say specifically the fountain and the lawn. But we also get a note here that the company has lost track of time. They have no idea how long they have been in Lorien, and they're feeling sorry for themselves um, when Haldir finally shows up. And I hate that. I hate that they're not keeping any track of time. They I mean, I think it's, two it's talked about in the next chapter that Lorien does that to you. So it's not necessarily their fault. I guess that's fair. It just sounds like they never made an effort. Uh, but well, our friend I blame Celeborn. I just want to say... Blame everything um, bad in Lorien on Celeborn. Exactly. Going back to, they literally call them brooches in L- the book. Look, I found it, okay? I found right. it. I just, I must skip that line. I don't know what happened. It's literally right there. Yes, I saw it. it just must have gone right over that shit. Anyway, let's, let's work on leaving again. We've still got like seven more farewells to seven do. Seven more yep. goodbyes. Okay. Haldir has arrived. Yay! Um, he has just come back from the northern fences and is set to be their guide through Karas Galadon. Galathon. Is that a DH that's a TH? I'm not entirely sure. But they're leaving Lorien now and heading to the shores of the Great River. I believe it is a TH sound. Thanks. I believe it is. Um, this walk with Haldir is got pretty fields and lots of greenery and pretty trees. It's very pastoral and picturesque, except they see when they come to the river on the opposite shore that the forest there is bleak and bare, which is supposed to indicate, I suppose, the influence that the elves have over the land and also how sad the rest of their journey is going to be. Yes, it's both literal and metaphorical. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Um, the company... And the background elves reach the boats, and the elves help them load their baggage into um, these boats and gift them with a bunch of rope, which Sam is very, very grateful for, because apparently the lack of rope was uh, causing him a lot of undue stress, and he comes from a long line of rope braiders or something. <laughs> I don't know. This came out of nowhere, but the elves are also super disappointed to learn this, because 
If they had only known that Sam was interested in the craft of rope braiding, they would have taught him their secret ways of braiding magic rope. <laughs> okay. We knew that Sam was stressed out about the lack of rope. This is not the first time that's come up. The fact that it's like a family thing, thats it's the first time that's come up. Yep. I guess I just didn't realize that the lack of rope was a stressor that he was carrying with him this whole time. I See, and I'm the opposite. Like whenever Sam was mentioned, I, I would imagine that in his background mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, there's no rope. God damn it. We haven't come but across also, a wild rope yet. Yeah. Here we are in Moria. God, we could use some rope. <laughs> um. So, sorry, Sam, no magic rope braiding for you. But when everyone is ready, Haldir tells them to be careful climbing in the boats. And now we learn why Celeborn told us not to trust the boats. Um. Because we get this beautiful quote that these boats are light built and they are crafty and unlike the boats of other folk. They will not sink, laid them as you will, but they are wayward if mishandled. Which I understand could be taken totally literally that, you know, they're just well-crafted boats that can carry a lot of weight. And if you don't, you know, paddle correctly, they will tip over or they will leave you stranded. But it almost makes them sound like they have super mischievous personalities. I like that better. Yeah. Right? I feel like they're like the horse entangled. <laughs> Maximilian? <laughs> yes. Liable to just like step out of the way when you're trying to jump onto him. Maximus, I think. They are wayward if mishandled. Like that's just Whatever brilliant. it is, it's Max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just some little troublesome boats. Um, so they load themselves up into boats. Uh, boat one has Aragorn, Frodo, and Sam. Boat two has Boromir, P- Pippin, and Mary. And boat three has Legolas. Gimli, who are both official besties, and everyone's possessions. Uh, so Legolas and Gimli are the pack mules of this trip now. They are carrying all of the stuff. But they're friends. But they're friends. So friendship lightens their burdens. I wrote this down uh, later on, but I can mention it here. I'm real sad that we didn't get to see them become friends. I know. It was just like Legolas dragged him off to talk to other elves, and they came back friends. Because it was like, no make him be blindfolded no make him be blindfolded no him blindfold him and now oh wait we're best friends yeah yeah like what the fuck what happened what changed i'm so curious many many days passed that we don't know about maybe when they were blindfolded they were holding hands mm-hmm. in the line of people. Dream and they big. realized that they liked the feel of each other's hands. I literally have nothing else. No, I mean, I, we did, t- we, I think we talked about how, you know, like, Galadriel gave her stamp of approval. <laughs> yes. So, like, that's, that's true. fair. If Galadriel tells me a person's okay, maybe I'll think they're okay. Sure. Maybe Legolas would trust Gimli, but he wouldn't be like, yo. Short man. We're BFFs now. Oh, I don't know. If Galadriel told me somebody was cool, I'd make them my best friend. I'd do anything she wanted. But she said the whole party was cool. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. And Legolas isn't like stealing Pippin. Also, I just realized that you wrote same instead of same. I know, I did. I <laughs> did a double take when I when I was reading them. I was like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. So, All right, sorry, we can move on. That's okay. Um... So Aragon, oh God! <laughs> uh, why did I do that? Okay, the shame. I'm sorry. Ooh, the shame. Give me a second to come back. Uh, Aragorn made everyone go on a practice run against the current of the Silver Load. Um, 
I guess because the boats are mischievous. It's really unclear why they do this, but the river takes a really sharp bend and suddenly the company is confronted with a giant swan coming down the river. And no one is alarmed by this giant swan, even though it's not immediately clear that it's actually a boat. I don't understand this because swans are vicious and the company obviously has no survival instincts. <laughs> I mean, that's not news. <laughs> You're right. They are walking into Mordor, I aren't mean, they? Nobody brought rope. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously yeah, they don't have any Sam survival instincts. No one brought rope. I yeah. just. And like these elves are like, yeah, three per person just in case. <laughs> Just because we've, it's become clear you guys are idiots, so. Um, and then, so the swan, this giant swan, is coming down the river towards them. Um, and then the swan starts singing. And as it gets closer, it becomes clear that it is actually an elvish boat. And it's actually Galadriel serenading them with a harp and her beautiful voice. And she tells them that the elves have come to bid them farewell. Which I thought they'd already done, but apparently not. <laughs> so, on the silver load which is not even the river that they were planning on going on, so I'm not entirely clear on how Galadriel and Celeborn knew that they should meet them here. They've got like a whole party of people set up on this boat. Well, Galadriel can sometimes see the future. Also, the rivers meet there, so. But not where they were, because they went upriver and around a corner. I thought it described them coming to the spot where they meet. Anyways, they all meet on the river. But I did also just want to mention that her song is really pretty and all about it's how really great pretty. Lorian is, but how maybe she does miss the other place. Valinor. Valinor? Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to mention the last two lines of the song because I think they're very, very indicative of Galadriel here. And beautiful. they say, but if of ships, I now should sing what ship would come to me, what ship would bear me ever back across so wide a sea. And I know we talked about how maybe Galadriel doesn't want to go back, but also... We didn't bring up that she can't go back. She was part of the the curse or whatever. She's not allowed back. The doom. The yeah. doom. The doom. You're right, we didn't. Yeah. She's stranded there. She's not there. supposed to go back. So even if she has come, you know, in her tens of thousands of years here in Middle Earth or whatever, maybe now she, you know, she's done. She's good. She's lived without the gods for a while and she feels like she wants to go back to the actual Lorien and see... All the pretty stuff there, but she is not allowed. No, and that actually ties in really well with um, this goodbye feast that they had. Because from Frodo's point of view, he's looking at Galadriel and not seeing, you know, the um, the elf who shared the mirror with them, right? She's um, changed already, even though only a few nights have passed. Yeah. Time is relative. Um, and... He has this really great quote that says, Already she seemed to him, as by men of later days, elves still at times are seen, present and yet remote, a living vision of that which has already been left far behind by the flowing streams of time. Which is just beautiful, but also very sad. Not unlike the rest of her life. Yes. Yep. All right. And then... After they have uh, this feast, because apparently, despite being there for days and days, Galadriel and Celeborn had not shared any food with the company, which I guess is a big no-no. They had to have this feast. Um, we get more geography that I don't care about at all. This is why we have maps. You can look at them if you care. The company is warned that they need to leave the river before Rauros. <laughs> Help. I genuinely don't know. I got nothing, but okay. it's just, there's no way to say it out loud and not sound funny. Yep. Uh... We're going with Rauros. 
<laughs> if you have a better pronunciation, feel free to tell us. Just give us a um, Raros. Rar. <laughs> um, because they need to leave Raros. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, they need to leave the river before Raros if they wish to make for Minas Tirith because no one wants to get caught in Fangorn Forest. It's a very creepy, creepy place. Boromir says that he has heard of Fangorn, even all the way from Minas Tirith, but what he has heard is only old wives' tales, the sort of thing you tell your children. Um, and when he journeyed before on his way... Uh, to Rivendell, he crossed through Rohan, which apparently took months of very hard and difficult travel because he drowned his horse while fording the Grey Flood. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> listen, I read it a few times because I was like, seriously, Boromir, you think you want to brag about that? But it sounded like this was the place you were supposed to ford, right? Like this was, it was the waypoint and his horse just didn't make it. I don't know. And he horse had no way horse. of getting a horse along the way? It sucks. I don't know. Maybe he was emotionally attached to this horse and didn't want a new one. Look, he had to show up at Rivendell at the same time as the hobbits who were waiting, you know, a year. So maybe fate <laughs> intervened and took oh his God, horse. Like, Varda killed the horse. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking cold. like Aule or um, what's the lady who invented the Ents? Um, uh, Yavanna? Yavanna. I, I think Yavanna killed his horse. <laughs> I just I feel like Vardis the only one who actually like is present in these books. Could be. That's fair. That's it. That's all I got. That's my only argument for Varda. So yeah, he drowned his horse, which you sucks say it, a like, lot. You, the way you say it makes it sound like he was like, fuck this horse. <laughs> well, listen, he <laughs> could have it. turned back when he realized how hard it was for his horse, and he didn't. So I do have some judgments. That's not an option in Oregon Trail, so <laughs> This is an Oregon Trail, though I do now wonder <laughs> what the Middle Earth version of that game would look Can like. Please, someone make up a Middle Earth Trail. What would be the equivalent of you died of dysentery in this? Uh, you we died of the fading away. No, I think the most common you death in Middle Earth is, orcs. oh, you found an orc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Caliborn basically brushes Boromir off, um, which is fair because Boromir is kind of talking like a total asshole. Um, and he has this really great line that says, but do not despise the lore that has come down from distant years, for oft it may chance that old wives keep in memory word of things that were once needful for the wise to know. It's like, yeah, Celeborn, don't disregard your old wives' tales. What is wrong just, with you? It's like both, one, the best line in this chapter, and two, like, uh, this is like... Oddly feminist for the rest of the book. Yeah, like and fairy like, tales. Listen are to women, except for literally any other time. Yeah, I just, I loved it. I loved it. It was very good. I also enjoyed it. Celeborn is growing on me, which is funny because now we're, we're leaving right now. Yep. Um. So Galadriel then makes everyone drink white mead from this cup that she goes around and forces everyone to share. Um. And it turns out it's called the cup of farewell. Except then they all have to sit on the grass again. They're not going anywhere. Galadriel and Celeborn sit in chairs, which are brought to them, which is a total power move. Everyone else has to sit on the ground. Um, and then they pass out presents. Which it's story time. I thought was so funny. Oh my gosh. It's like, I don't know, my family parties, Santa always comes and all of the children sit in front of Santa to receive their presents. This is like vividly reminding me of that. They're sitting to receive their gifts. 
Oh, oh it's so good. It's so funny. And these are all like grown men. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's better. Aragorn gets his gift first, and it is a thoroughly bedazzled sheath for his sword. And Galadriel says that the blade... I'm sorry, that just puts in my head, like, Kate Blanchett with a bedazzler. <laughs> like, putting rhinestones on her sword sheath. Well, it's, like, vein... I mean, it's, it's like, filigreed in gold and silver, and they used tiny gems to form elvish runes to, like, ascribe the names. And I'm just like... It's wow, a bedazzler. that's subtle. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yes, let me not announce my presence to everyone. Here's my sword. <laughs> Which has its name and the name of my people vi- like written down the side in bright colors. Um, but Galadriel does have a good point about this uh, sheath. The blade that is drawn from it shall not be stained or broken even in defeat. Which is, you know, fair enough. We know they have that was- problem with swords. With this particular sword. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Galadriel also asks Aragorn um, if he wants anything else from her. And why does he get two gifts? That's totally unfair. It is. It's just weird. She, this is the only person she really asks. He replies mysteriously, but basically what he says is, you know what I want, but it isn't yours to give me. Very broody, very sad. But Galadriel does, however, give him a green stone that is set in a silver eagle brooch. The stone Galadriel had originally given to her daughter Calabrian? Yep. Calabrian? Um, and who had given it in turn to her daughter, who is now giving it to Aragorn. Except Galadriel is giving it to Aragorn. But, um... Well, it was... Sorry, I guess I didn't make it clear no, here okay. in my notes, because I thought... Um, <laughs> it was given it. to Galadriel to pass on to him. Like, somebody dropped it off there and was like, give this to Aragorn when he comes through. Yep, and I wonder who that could be. Um, it's a total mystery. Except it's not in a minute. Except it's not. It's coming up. Um, but Galadriel also advises Aragorn to take up the name that was foretold to him. Elisar the Elfstone of the House of Elendil, which plays into Caitlin's oh. previous comment. <laughs> I, in a previous episode, I've made a joke about how everybody in Minas Tirith wants to be an elf or thinks they're elves. They try really hard. And yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, with a title like that, they tried maybe a little too hard. That's a lot of alliteration. That's a lot of ease. Alisar, the elf stone of the house of Elendil. Yep. Yep. Aragorn is better. Sounds less like a tool. <laughs> um, Aragorn well, also it's... mentions that Calabrian's daughter is named Arwen Evenstar, whom we have previously met in Rivendell, and is very yes. important. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Did you have something you wanted to say? Um, before, about the Elisar thing, I think that's sort of based on that very British tradition of taking a different name when you become king. Or when you become yeah. royalty or whatever, king or queen. So I think what she's actually saying there is, get your shit together. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? You got your sword. Get your fucking crown already. They're waiting for you. Yeah. And then finally, we move on to the rest of the company. Boromir gets a gold belt. Respectable, but it's no bedazzled sheath. Merry and Pippin get silver belts. So now they match, at least. They have that going for them. But why and silver? The cloaks, and cloaks, so gold? super matchy. Yeah, cloaks, silver belts. They're basically brooches. the same hobbit. Everybody's <laughs> got rope. They've got a team uniform now. Um, <laughs> Legolas gets a bow, um, which is slightly thicker and longer than the bow he previously had. And it's strung with elf hair. Ew. 
What the yep. heck is that? These are some famous rope braiders with magic string, and they thread their bows with elf hair. I want to know whose hair it is. It's gross. I want to know if the ropes are made of hair. Oh, God. No, they say what they say. What the ropes are made of? It's like hith, hith, hithrar, hithbar. I, I'm, I'm not looking at it, but like, oh, hithlane, hithlane, cool. But like, like not that I. I mean, that could be the elvish word for hair. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, whose hair is it? Is it just one strand of hair? And who has this magic springy hair? Like, yeah, my hair doesn't, doesn't work like that. What are we doing? Well, I mean, curly hair. No, I have That's curly hair. It does it not. Bounce I know. Back I'm joking. Like I'm joking. I'm joking. I wish my curls bounced back. Um, I guess, and you know, Legolas also gets some arrows to go with the bow because obviously everything has to match. Sam gets a little wooden box full of dirt, which sounds kind of lame, but Galadriel explains that it's probably the best gift she could possibly give out, save Frodo's. Considering that even after Lorien fades, if Sam has a chance to sprinkle this dirt, he will have some of Lorien with him. So if he sprinkles this dirt across his garden at home, there will be no garden fairer in all of Middle-earth. Which, you know, really gets to Sam's competitive gardener side. She pegged him real well. Like, hell yeah, he's going to win the annual gardening competition. Get that blue ribbon, Sam. Um, Gimli at first asks for nothing. And Galadriel announces to, you know, the whole audience, Hear all ye elves, let none say again that dwarves are grasping and ungracious. And she presses him again, and he eventually asks for a strand of her hair that he would, if he gets home, set an impenetrable crystal to be an heirloom of his house and a pledge of goodwill between the mountain and the forest. If you I don't, don't get like this my joke. <laughs> the mountain? Okay, here we go. I was still, I'm like thinking the fox and the hound. I'm like trying to get like the forest theme in there. Okay, Game of Thrones. I'm back now. Um, Thank you for getting my joke. I'm sorry it took me a minute. Frodo gets a vial of glittering water. In this vial is caught the light of Erendil's star, set amid the waters of my fountain. It will shine still brighter when night is about it. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. I can't not hear that in her voice. I can't either. Yeah. I, I, I tried, but I think I still said it with that beautiful, wonderful intonation. She's just a magnificent actress, which is kind of cool if, you know, kind of a delicate gift to send on a quest. I suspect it wouldn't be as breakable as like a glass jar made by us. Probably. I yep. guess we'll never know. <laughs> um, Frodo takes the vial. He has a brief vision of Galadriel once again as queen, great and beautiful, but no longer terrible. And honestly, at that point, I would have just been like, here, take the ring. It's safe now. Um, <laughs> but okay. But now he has a little bit of Elrond's dad to bring around with him. <laughs> He's got Elrond's dad and the waters of her psychic fountain. In his pocket. In his Blowing. pocket. So... And then he's also got a glowing uh... sword. So Frodo's got a theme here. He only wants gifts that will glow in the dark. The company gets back in their boats and heads out towards the Anduin, watching Galadriel and Lorien slip away behind them. As they leave, they hear Galadriel singing another song of Varda and Valimar in an ancient elvish tongue. Frodo does not recognize it, which is impressive because, you know, useless elvish tongues are his specialty. Well, what I'm thinking here... In just in reference to our previously trying to figure this all out, 
is that this is probably the first time we've heard Quenya in this book and everything else was just different like area specific versions of Sindar. Huh, yeah. Okay. That's the only thing that I can think. Cuz what's more ancient he, than yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Because he literally just doesn't even doesn't even know it. He's like maybe that's elvish. Yeah. That would make yeah, sense. And- because really, and maybe Frodo just can't when know the- Quenya. I just can't. I can't wrap my head around how he would have learned it. Exactly. Yeah. And when they called it the old tongue uh, earlier, was just like not the actual old tongue. Yeah. Maybe they were just like colloquially, like you don't know our slang, Frodo. You're out of touch. Maybe it's like Middle English versus Old English. Like Middle English is still basically modern English. You can understand it, but Old English is messed up. And yeah, and this, they do actually, like, the book actually says that she's saying in the ancient tongue of the elves beyond the sea. So this is definitely Quenya. And I'm, I feel like that this is the first time we've heard it. It looks like, I mean, it looks exactly like Quenya. It's definitely Quenya. No, it definitely is. But I, what I mean is the stuff <laughs> yeah. that we've talked about previously was not. Yes. I and then it does say that it, it stays in his head and he interprets it later. Which makes no and, sense. What the heck? Well. Here's what I think happened. We all know that eventually Frodo and Gladriel take a long boat ride together, BFFs. <laughs> so we're getting this like retroactively cut and pasted into the book? Yep. All right. You know what? It's just as weird as everything else that's happened. So I'll I really like the idea of this really tall elf lady and this really short hobbit being best friends. So not unlike a very tall elf and a very small dwarf. So very similar. Yep. We do get the translation of this song that's straight up just cut and pasted into the book. It's so weird. It's not even like it's put not, in stanzas. No, it's, it's not like formatted correctly. It's just a paragraph. And it ends with like a with like a translation note right there. Varda's the name of the lady whom the elves in these lands of exile name Elbereth. Like What are we doing? <laughs> that's literally a translation note. Is Frodo supposed to have told us that? I guess. As, yeah, I don't know. That part was weird. But it's a beautiful song. All The songs in this chapter are beautiful. They are, They're yes. some of the best we've heard so far. And they're appropriately short. Yes. They're just as long as they need to be. We still get the musical vibe, but they all feel like reprises instead of, yes. you know, ballads. So, almost to the end of this chapter, we've almost actually said farewell to Lorien um, as they reach the Anduin. Legolas and Gimli talk about how fabulous Lorien is and how they wish they could just stay. They're both bros, hardcore, <laughs> best friends for life. And so Gimli is brokenhearted about having to leave Galadriel and Lorien. And with his, you know, sadness, the party goes downriver in these mischievous boats. The end. Finally. When my one sentence of the party carries on down the river, that's actually like three fucking paragraphs in this book. Yep. Anybody have favorites from this chapter? I wrote down mine, which was when Celeborn was saying that, you know, you've got some boat people among you. And he listed uh, Legolas and the two humans. And then Mary was like, and one hobbit. Me too. I boat. I am boat literate. Yep. I know how to boat. Not all hobbits are afraid of boats. I just like that a lot. Um, I really liked... It's, I mean, we talked about my specific lines because, you know, I wrote the long summary, but I really liked how much of Boromir we got in this chapter. I feel like we really finally saw some actual growth happening. Um, and, you know, we have indecisive Aragorn, which lends itself 
well to him growing as a leader, I guess. It does. And I also feel like more than the songs in the morning, you can really, f- the M-O-U are morning, uh, you can really <laughs> feel the lack of Gandalf here because they're all just like, we don't know, we what, don't to know do. what to do. We thought Gandalf would be here. We had plans with Gandalf, our friend, who was bad at plans, but, you know, I know At it's least sad. we could follow him. Exactly. Usually turned out okay. You know, <laughs> he probably wouldn't have gotten killed by the Balrog if Sam had had rope. <laughs> Do you think Sam stays awake at night thinking about that? Yes, yes, I do. If I know anything about anxiety, the answer is yes. I could have lassoed him and held him from falling over the edge. Oh, now my heart hurts. My favorite line was another one of those things where you realize, like, how ridiculous and wonderful it is when you think of elven lineage and stuff that uh, Aragorn chatting with Galadriel was basically having a talk with his grandma-in-law. <laughs> and then, and then the yeah, it's just weird. It's hey, just grandma, weird. I'm gonna join the family soon. And she was basically like, "I welcome you to the family. Here's, Here's yeah. your brooch." Brooch. Yep. <laughs> Dang. And then she's also like, "Take up your crown. Get your shit yeah. together, Aragorn. Welcome to the family. Get your shit together." <laughs> That's that's pretty accurate for how those it's types like, of things work. I came across thousands of miles and got myself kicked out of Valinor to claim my kingdom. You go march south. <laughs> Gosh, it's true. She must be so frustrated. The bar is set so much lower for him. <laughs> you know who now I'm thinking would also make an epic Galadriel is Julie Andrews. God, she would have been amazing. Right? To be fair, yes. though. Julie Andrews could play a trash can, and I would think she was amazing. Yes. She would make a good trash can. <laughs> she would She would do it, you know? She would get an Oscar for playing that trash can. <laughs> she could get an Oscar. <laughs> Thank you for getting my joke. <laughs> <laughs> my greatest sadness is that I make puns and other people have to point them out to me because I'm not intelligent enough to have done them on purpose. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um anything else about this chapter? We're we're, we're out of Lorian. No, nope, finally. We made it. Thank God. All right. So I guess that's okay. it. Next week is book 2, chapter 9, The Great River. I can't wait to see what thrills it has for us and definitely not just descriptions of travel and geography. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to get into it right now, but we can save that for, you know, 10 minutes from now when we record that. Um, <laughs> so oh my God, how is the long summary so long if it's just descriptions? Don't okay. don't get ahead of yourself, Emmy. Sorry. Stop. I'm stopped. I'm here. If you have uh, anything you want to comment about today's episode, you can reach us on Twitter at Talking, or you can email us at WantToRetalking at gmail.com. We appreciate reviews and ratings on iTunes, etc. That's great. We'll see you all next week. Goodbye. No, no, we have to say goodbye like 10 times. Seven. We agreed seven times. I guess we do actually need to sign off. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. I'm Caitlin. We've all drunk from the cup and farewell.
super quick, everybody list who you want to end up on the Iron Throne and who you think will end up on the Iron Throne. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want Sansa on the Iron Throne. Yes. It would be so good. Um, I'm kind of refusing to, like, think who actually will. I mean, okay, I guess, like, I don't know, incest, John and Daenerys, but I super don't want it, so I refuse to speak power to words. That's fair. I want Sansa to be on the Iron Throne, and I think Rachel said it brilliantly when we talked about this before, that just the character arc of her going from someone who wanted to marry a prince and become a queen to someone who's going to rule independently would just be amazing. It and would be such I, a good growth arc. It would be such a good growth arc. It would arc. be like like the Zuko arc. <laughs> I mean, I, it oh. wouldn't be, but... No, not not at all in but, the same <laughs> way. But just I miss like, Zuko so much. Just that character growth. Ah, Independence coming into their own. And I think... It might be Tyrion, both because the show loves Tyrion more than, you know, the books really do, but also the books play up um, the possibility of him being a Targaryen child a lot more than mm-hmm. the show does. And I think that's going to possibly come into play because Daenerys can't have kids. Right. So what about you? I would. I also want Sansa to end up on the throne. Team Sansa! I- yeah, because she's great. But I've also come up with this, like, alternate version that I'm hoping that this is what they're actually going to do. So I'm going to go with this. This is my think. But it's okay. also a lot tinged with my want. So, I don't know. Anyways, John on the Iron Throne by himself. Daenerys dies. Um, no objections. And, <laughs> and, and Santa's Queen in the North. Nice. I would love that. I don't know that John would love that, which might be why... It would be a good fit. Honestly, okay, honestly, my want is, I guess I should have phrased this earlier, my want is that they burn the Iron Throne down and Westeros divides back into its seven kingdoms. Well, that could be fun. Mm-hmm. I understand Ultimately, it's- Ultimately, everyone dies. I know. Well, and it's mm-hmm. hard because like, you know- The High Night Garden King ends up on the Iron Throne. <laughs> what does the Night King even want? This is so confusing to me. All right. We're done now. <laughs> yeah, this is not. You didn't a know Game this was a Game podcast. of Thrones episode, but. Checking on the rivers. Sorry, I came back and heard yeah. geography. Nope. I, I was okay. I fi- yeah. So anyway, I figured it out, but we don't need to talk about it because. Okay. That's- Boring as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Valid. Let's all look at a map anyway. Oh, that's really good, actually. You should definitely keep that in. And cut the rest of it. We've all drunk from the cup and farewell. (laughs) Thank you so much for your enthusiastic approval. Peace, bitches. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but oh, that's good. You should keep that. Can we? Can I stop recording now? Yes, yes, stop the recording.